for a minute and six seconds, a minute and four seconds, excuse me, I wanted you to sit and watch that video. If you remember, that picture was just on there. It's a little girl sitting there reading the Bible, and there's some motion backgrounds going on in front of her and behind her. You see all the different colors. And it's like the, the Bible is coming to life. I'm going to ask you a very serious question. It's kind of pointed, but I'm not going to apologize for that. When's the last time that you read God's Word and it looked like that? When's the last time that you dove in to Scripture and you, and you, and you dive into what God has to say and you're like, whoa. I would argue with people sometime, and I, did, and I don't know about arguing, but I disagree with them greatly when they say, when they tell me they said, reading the Bible is boring. I get it. There's some dry parts in there. Um, if you're looking for a, a good read on an afternoon, I probably wouldn't suggest Leviticus. I just, I just wouldn't. If you've read it, it's kind of dry, and it's about measurements and different things that they had to wear. Um, but as far as boring, no. There's war. There's love stories for you Hallmark fans. There's adventure. There's stories of courage. Now, today I don't want you to leave here and, and hear the sermon and say, well, Pastor Matt's just an awesome dude. He, he just told us a whole bunch of stuff about the Bible and, and he, just, he knows so much and he's, he's basically Superman. I'm not Superman, I'm not superhuman, not super Christian. I'm going to share with you today the absolute in-depth, basic basis of how and why our discipleship programs are and will continue to be based on God's Word. I'm going to give you a couple of tips today that I use. Now, please, don't, 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 don't leave here and go, well, I don't want to do it exactly like he, fine. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start with this. I'm going to end with this. A very, 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 very smart, spiritually smart man, Dr. George from California, said this, and it blew my mind. The only thing that you're required to do is to read God's word and do what it says. I have looked at this question in the very, very smallness of it and the great, big, huge part of it. And the, the big thing is, that is a completely true statement. Read the Bible and do what it says. Easy? No. No. If you're here this morning and you're looking for, uh, for a church that says, hey, Jesus is, is the way to heaven and it's all easy from there, you're sitting in a wrong chair. When your relationship with God starts, then here comes. In a, in a group this big, and with the kids in the back and with first services, this, this is what I'm going to say. Some of us, some of us, some of us have had a really good week. And you're annoying. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just, okay. Some of you, you had a really good week, okay? You've had a really good week. There are some of you who say, you know, it wasn't all bad, but it wasn't all good. And then there are some of you that didn't just have a bad week. You barely made it in the door this Sunday because you got hit with a train every day of the week. I get it. But I want to tell you something about that. If you had, if you had a Disneyland week or you got hit by a train week, here's the, here, here's, you ready? Ready? You ready? God's still good, isn't he? Do you know why I can say that with complete confidence? He can't be anything except good. He's perfect. He's whole. Now, why would God choose to use you and I as vessels to use this to share the gospel? Why would he use us? I have no idea. I cannot begin to explain that. There are times that I asked God, I said, God, how in the world did you not smoke me from the face of the planet? How, why do you choose to use an idiot like me? Now, if this is your first time to Connection, my name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, you are not sitting in a chair of a traditional church. We, we don't believe that the church is a place. We don't, we don't believe it's a, it's a building. We believe that it's hands and the feet of Christ, as explained in the New Testament, that we go. Yesterday, I had the absolute privilege of helping to hand out turkeys. We're that crazy. 
Okay, we bought turkeys and hams and ribs and stuffing and potatoes and we got out of the stores wherever we went and we gave them away to people. A horrible, horrible investment strategy for your life. <laughs> That's not good. Okay, God gave us common sense. But let me tell you something. When you give to connection, and I'm not, this is not a sermon on giving. I don't, if you, if you, if you think that this is a church that talks about giving a lot, please talk to some people that come here often. I don't do it very often at all. So by your tithes and gifts and offerings in a line item budget, in our budget, it says community lovings. And that's what we did yesterday. We bought turkeys in a store, brought them outside, gave them away. I had a lady come up and she goes, what are you doing? And I said, we're giving away turkeys and hams for Thanksgiving. And she goes, why? I'm like, aren't you just a bundle full of joy? Why would you do that? And I said, have you bought a turkey for Thanksgiving yet? No. She's friendly, really, real friendly. And I said, <laughs> probably sarcastically, I said, happy Thanksgiving. Do you know even the way that she spoke changed? She said, thank you. Why, why, really, why do you do this? I said, I want to show you that A, there are still people in this world that believe in doing good things for other people exist. B, I want you to know how much we love you. But C, and absolutely more, most importantly, I want you to know how valuable you are and how much you are loved by the God of the universe. All that through a frozen bird. <laughs> why? Because we, we seek to meet people where they are. In a little bit, we're going to study two verses. And we're going to look at three or four verses today, but two verses that are huge, that are big. If you have your worship handout and you want to take some notes, open the first page and there's some blanks. Um, I heard, I heard, I heard, I heard some, some people that come into the 11 o'clock service look around for a worship handout from the 9 o'clock service that's already filled out so they have the answers. I wish, want you to know that I'm taking steps to make sure that that doesn't happen ever again. Okay? <laughs> I, I'm going to show you some, thing, some things in my life that I, I, I want to be transparent with you. I want you to know this. A, I'm a sinner. I'm a human. I'm a pastor, but I'm a sinner and I'm a human. Okay? I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and he died on the cross for my sins. And I've accepted that gift. But I want to be as transparent as I can with you so that hopefully we have a lot of new people. We baptized 16 people this year. Do you know how amazing it is to talk with somebody? How's your church doing? We baptized 16 people this year. <laughs> We had like 20 join the church. I said, we've had, in the last four years, we've had 59 people join the church and God is doing great things. And they go, whoa. I was expecting like, yeah, it's going good or not. <laughs> no, I can't quit. I got to lead, I got to help lead worship at a pastor's conference on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I had the very cool privilege of playing my guitar and harmonica over in Maryville. Okay. And it was a room full of pastors and their wives. And, uh, you know, I had to dress up. <laughs> I wore jeans and a, I wore a shirt that had buttons. It was weird. Okay, if you're new to connection, this is a rarity that I have jeans on. Okay, I do not preach in shoes because, yeah, I don't like shoes. So, here's the deal: I got to lead, got to lead worship, and this piano guy, and he's a great friend of mine. And I, I would say it if he was sitting right here. He plays like this, and he's good. I don't even know what these notes are. Okay, but he's he's good, and he's looking at me, and I'm like. And I'm playing, I'm just getting into it. And he, he literally goes, during sound check, he goes, time out, time out, time out. You move a lot. <laughs> and I wasn't a smart aleck, but I turned to him and I said, hey, if you could completely understand at where I was in my life and where I am now and what God has done to get me there, it is impossible for me to stand still. I can't. I can't even, I got to, I'm really cool and honored to get to help with the praise band this week, but normally I stand right there and normally my feet can leave the ground. I can't, I can't, I can't contain what God is, 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 has done in my life. And a lot of that knowledge that I've received is comes from reading the Bible. Now, I don't care uh, what translation that you want to read or you prefer, New King James or King James or New Living Translation or NIV or 1984 NIV or the New Revised NIV. See, there's many, okay? Many, 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 many. 
And if I didn't say your favorite one, I apologize. ESV people, NSA, NASB, all, all of you people, I don't want to make mad. Okay, but I want to show you something. This, and your copy also, is alive. If you were here a couple months ago, I went, right? Now watch. The words in this book were written physically down by men. That were, that were spoken to by the Holy Spirit. Some of you are going to think that I'm just a weirdo, but I want to show you something real quick. God, God, through the Holy Spirit, talks to these men. They write down the... There's, there's, uh, there's chronology in here. There's order of events. There's genealogy in here. There's, but reading the Bible is not boring. This is, a, this is an error-proof book. There are things in here that look like they don't go together, but if you don't shut off your brain and you look, you can see how they match. Now, some people will be like, oh, whatever. Listen, I just want to give you some statistics and you make up your mind, okay? This book was written over a course of 1,500 years on three different continents by over 40 men, and it does not go against itself. I'm going to go ahead and say, play the Vegas odds on this. It's pretty safe to say. There are, there are, there are datings uh, of the New Testament books based on the year 70 AD when Jerusalem fell. That's a, secular, that's a secular thing that you can look up. I don't know about the Bible. I just don't know about this thing. Do you know that if you go back in secular history and you look at Roman secular history, whenever it comes to the point and the, the generalization of the month around when Jesus was crucified, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the, the sky got black in the middle of the day. If you remember this from the story, at the, in the middle of the day it became dark. Do you know that you can go back and look at that? And in secular history, there's an eclipse over the country of Israel. Whoops. <laughs> we, we have these things that we, that, we can, that we can take to the bank. But the biggest question is this. Why do I have to read it? When's the last time? When's the last time? Man, you, I mean, you may sit down with Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis and be like, oh, dude. Wow, it's so cool. You may have a costume, run around your house and go, for Narnia, whatever you do. Some of you are like, how in the world did he just, he, did he just drop that in a sermon? I've been preparing. So, so but when is the last time that the Bible has come to life on the page for you? I'm guilty of this. The other day, I have a, I have a Bible app. I'm, I'm telling you, if you're, if you're just getting into God's word and, you, want, and you, you always have your phone with you, and you have a smartphone, you download the Bible app, the plans on there are incredible. But on there, it keeps track of you have, you know, how many weeks you've read of at least a day in that week. And then you have an individual day streak. And it's a streak. And I'm competitive. Way competitive. And I got er up early one morning. I went to bed about 12 or 11 or 12 that night. I woke up the next day. Do you know what happened? My streak was gone. They took it from me. They took my streak from me. I read the Bible that day. But I was like, no. People at church are going to get on my page and go, oh, sinner, you didn't read your Bible that day. <laughs> but I did. And I did, but there are days. Can I be really honest with you? Really just completely open. There are days that I don't. <gasps> Some of you are in your mind. Sinner. <laughs> don't throw rocks in a glass house. Just saying that. Jesus says that, by the way. When's the last time that you heard God speaking through his word? And if you don't know, see, right, right here. When Jesus talks um, in John 20, he says, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll catch some fish. Why is that important? Why do we... Listen, the disciples heard his voice. Sheep, animals. Okay, I'm going to be very blunt with you. They are, they are cool. And if you have them, okay, that's great. They are stupid. They are dumb. Dumb. D-U-M. Dumb. <laughs> so you get that at lunch. Okay, so listen. The sheep are dumb. But when they hear their shepherd's voice, they do it. When they hear their, with their voice, they, they react to what needs to happen. So I want to ask you, why? 
Why do we need to get into God's word? What are we, what are we supposed to read? What, listen, if you're a new person to the faith of Jesus Christ, don't start in Genesis. Please, in heaven, don't start. You'll find out real quick in the, in the very first part of the Bible that God is a baseball fan. He starts off the Bible in the big inning. Come on, people. That's funny. So, so I, Genesis and Exodus cover, uh, if you, if you, depending on your theories of whatever, and how big in space and time, they, they covered, generally suggested, they cover 1,500 years and there's 90 chapters. Go meet Jesus in the New Testament first. <laughs> meet who he is, what he does, and how he lives it. A very, very smart individual has explained this very easily. Read the Bible and do what it says. Why? Why, why, why? Because we have to train ourselves. Look at the, next blank, or the first blank in your worship handout. We must train ourselves by studying the Bible. Contrary to popular belief, when you read in Exodus chapter 20, and you can read about the Ten Commandments, do you know in my Bible and in your Bible it does not say the Ten Suggestions? Now, we're going to get real here. We treat them like that, don't we? Well, I've never killed anybody. Jesus said if you've ever hated anybody, you have murder in your heart. You, don't look, you and I do not do well if we look in the mirror of the, of the Ten Commandments, let alone this entire Bible. We have to train ourselves. Now, I was a baseball player. I speak baseball. Mechanics? No. Baseball? Yes. Okay. Somebody asked me the other day, I was at school and said, do you think you could help out with the boys' peewee basketball team? No. You have better luck having a monkey and a penguin than me as a basketball coach. No, I don't speak that language. So, but in baseball, I train and I hit off tees. I was teaching my daughters how to hit and they said, I don't want to hit off a tee. I'm a big person. Pitch me the ball. Really? Okay. I used to hit off tees. Yeah, when you were like four. No, when I was 22. Why? I said, because I needed to, watch this, I need to train my muscle memory. So when I hit, I had to get my hands through, I had to drive the ball, I had to extend through. Some of you have no idea what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. I had to train myself so I could be the best at who I could be on the field. What if Albert Pujols, after his, and that's a baseball player for those of you who don't know, what if Albert Pujols, after his, after his uh, rookie year, never took another, another swing in batting practice, and the only time that he hit was in the game. He wouldn't have over 600 home runs right now. Destined for the Hall of Fame. He's going to be a first round, no, no doubter. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. But listen, we have to train ourselves. So uh, I, I, I prepared a one-question quiz for you. Didn't take me very long. <laughs> Who's the most decorated Olympic athlete of all time? He swims. Michael Phelps. You seen the picture of him? He's like this. He's got his medals all lined up on his arms. I've, I, evidently, they're pretty heavy. I have no idea how you do that. But let me tell you a secret about Michael Phelps. Very fast in the pool, right? Yeah, everybody knows that. Did you know that genetically, from, from the waist down, he is approximately the same length as me as being a six foot one person? But from the waist up, he is a six foot eight torso? Yeah, he's like a little seal in the water. <laughs> let me tell you about his training. Oh, good. Matt's going to start in November about our, our January. Let's get fit. No. Listen, I started my diet in March because it took me two or three months to decide if I really wanted to. Okay, I, I didn't start it on January. But we must train ourselves by studying the Bible. We're going to use spiritual things, but I want to show you something secular. Watch this. You can Google it just like I did. Not now. Now listen. Listen to this. Michael Phelps, the most decorated Olympic athlete of all time, practiced one hour a day. No. Listen to this. Listen. Listen. He practiced between five and six hours a day, six days a week. He swims. I really want you to hear this. He swims a minimum, minimum a week, 80,000 meters. I don't speak metric. It's 50 miles with no engine. I don't know about you. I would not do well. 50 miles. And in his peak, now this is the part I'm talking about. In the peak of his training, he burned off so many calories that he could eat 12,000 calories a day and not gain an ounce. That's going to be heaven. Cheesecake, fresh fry, yeah, awesome. So we have to train. Now, this is what it looks like. You would not... I don't know any single person, even the most genetically just 
You know these people? I have a friend, he's a pastor, six foot six, two sixty-five. Guys, if you lift weights, he walks around between ten and twelve percent body fat. He is an animal. I, I joke with him. I said, You scare Jesus into people. They come forward to talk to you, and you're like, Jesus, and they just get him. Okay? You scare people. He's huge. He's got twenty inch biceps on a six foot six frame. He's a truck with a face. He's huge. Now, this genetic, he played basketball at Eastern Illinois, if that tells you. He, he has this genetic frame that's huge, but watch this. He also lifts weights. If he didn't, he would not appear to, he wouldn't look like he does now. Said, well, you have to train. Now, the problem is this. We're cool with taking swings in the backyard and, and hitting the volleyball and doing all this stuff and getting better and better and better and better and better and better and better. When's the last time you taught any biblical truth to your kids and trained them? This is, this is sharp. I get it. I'm in the boat with you. This is sharp. We have to train ourselves. Why do we train ourselves? Why do we let God speak through his word to train us? Could it be that the right order is God trains us, our kids look at us, and they learn about what God does in our lives by watching us? Hello. We have to train. We have to get, we have to get in and dig. Never turn off. Never turn off your brain. What did training mean to Michael Phelps? I don't know. The most decorated Olympic athlete ever. That's not too bad, I guess. It meant everything. How, what happens if you go to work and you all have these people that work with you, unless you work alone, and this is going to get weird. But you all have that pe- person at work that you can't get along with. And sometimes if you work alone, it might be yourself. <laughs> It's okay to talk to yourself. When I find myself like rambling on for about an hour, talking and I'm like, whoa, dude, there's nobody else in the room. It's kind of weird. But we have people and we go, we go to work. And you physically think this person thinks it's their spiritual gift that whenever you walk in, they know where your buttons are and they go, yeah. oh yeah. And you're like, quit. Listen, we, what happens if, if Satan comes, if you've had a bad week, listen to this. Maybe, maybe you weren't responsible for everything that's happened in your life, but watch this. Whenever something bad happened in your life, did you turn to this or did you cry? Or did you just do, an ep- I'm not saying emotion is wrong, but did you just cry in your pity party? Or did you call people that, and share that epic story and let them speak? Oh, yes, yes, you're right, you're right. Or did you go to the person that spoke earth into existence and say, God, I know that I'm having a bad week, but you're still good. I told myself something. You're going to think this is completely nuts. I told myself something yesterday. I said, God, it just occurred to me something. I just want to tell you thank you. He's like, he already knows what I'm going to say. He goes, what? <laughs> Sometimes I feel he did. But he, he's like, he just gets down like this. And he, he's like, what? That's, he, that's how he cares for us. He, he, wants, he wants us to be right here. And I said, did you know I realized something today? Well, she already knew, but I wanted to tell him anyway. You're not going to surprise God with anything that you say. And I said, God, currently today, to date, I'm today years old. And I have made it through every single awful day of my life. Every single time that I've had a bad day, bad this, bad blah, 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 blah. I have made it through every single one. Do you know how big of a deal is? that is? That's huge. That's God being cool. Yeah, I'm going to give you this. But I had to train. I had people that helped me train. I had, I had seminary professors. I had a doctor in seminary that I studied under, and he had given his entire life to study 13 books of the New Testament that Paul wrote. He studied it all, but that's his doctorate. His six or seven of them memorized. How do you battle the attacks of Satan? Let's, look in, the, let's look, look in the Bible, just in our, in our head, if you've heard the story. When Satan tempts Jesus, how does Jesus defend? Scripture. Every single time. We get stuck up with our pride. And because I dealt with pride, I know some things, some verses on, Friday, on pride. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Jesus said, the first will be last and last will be first. He told 12 disciples, he said, hey, you want to be first? You want to sit in the place of honor? You want to lead people to the kingdom of Christ? Serve them. I am so pumped. I got to pray in the middle of Walmart parking lot yesterday. <laughs> this, lady, this lady and her husband, he had a, had a semi and a messed up. He got $5,000 worth of repair. 
If I, I'm telling you right now, it was such a, if I had $5,000 to give him, I would have given it to him. Instead, we gave him an entire Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> that's cool. That is, that's awesome because that's us meeting a need, going in, finding them. In the, we, we huddled up right by one of the handicapped parking spaces, arm in arm, don't know these people from Adam except their names. And I, it doesn't matter what their names are. And I do remember them. It's not just a joke because I forgot their names. I do remember them. And, we, and I got to pray with, I said, I said, would it be okay if I prayed with you? I don't know if this person believes in God. I don't know. Do you know what they said? Yes. No, no discussion about church. Nowhere do you go to church. Nothing. nothing. I want to pray, and I'm so excited that I'm part of a church that trains our younger people. Did you hear earlier? The little kids are doing community lovings? Are you kidding me? I didn't do community love until I was 27 years old. We did mission church. I didn't do community love until I was 27 years old. My seven-year-old daughter has a 20-year head start on me. I pray, I pray that she sees things in, the, in God's kingdom that I can't even imagine. We must train ourselves and our kids. Look at the second, the second blank on here. Studying the Bible helps us to know God better. Okay, good. <clears throat> I want to know you. <laughs> Studying the Bible, it's God's word to us, helps us to know God better. Knowing God better leads us to being obedient. I don't want to hammer this thought. I don't want, I don't want to stand on this soapbox, but you have to listen to me. I'm in the same boat as you. This is going to be really sharp. Ready? Studying the Bible helps us to know God better. Knowing God better leads us to being obedient. When you're not being obedient to God, this is, a, this is a new way of thinking, a brand new idea. You ready? If you're not being obedient to God, you're being disobedient. Wow. It's like an epiphany, isn't it? You can go towards him or away from him. There is no sideways. It, when, you, when you know God better and you read his word... Knowing God leads us to being obedient. I don't like to share this information, but I do because I believe that it it shows insight of my life and that I'm real. In the last month, I have stood in front of God and he he asked me to be obedient and I turned into Miss Piggy or a 16-year-old teenager. (laughs) I don't want to do that. You ever rolled your eyes at God? Good, me and me and you, <laughs> just two. <laughs> Listen, God, you, you got to be kidding me! I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk to them. Do you know how prideful they are? It just makes me want to shove a bar of soap up their nose. And I'm, am I speaking wrong? Do you, you have these people? God says, "I want you to love. I want you to love on people." <sighs> yeah, I'd love to shove soap up their nose, God. I talk to God this way. You have to be real. You have to be understanding that everybody's going through stuff. But when God says, I want you to know me better so that you can be obedient. Quit being a brat, Matt. Quit being a spoiled American brat. There are people that cannot even own this book. In your house. He's talking to me. He goes, in your house, minus your computer, you have eight different versions of this. We have, the, we have opportunity to come and sing. Opportunity. Nobody's hunting us. God, help us to be obedient. Look at my favorite two verses in the New Testament. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Some of you do mentoring. You have these memorized. And, you're, and, and I know exactly what you're thinking. If you've done this in mentoring, you, you, you would say this. It's the third verse that we do. It is. It's on the list. You get this verse and you go, I can never memorize that whole thing. Didn't you? You didn't say that in front of the person that was mentoring you because you knew they'd get up mad. You did it in a car like, I'm never going to memorize this whole thing. If you underline in your Bible, currently this one right now, they're not in here, so, and just don't tell them because it's, it's kind of a surprise. But this Bible right now, I'm going through and I'm making marks and highlights and notes and things for my daughter Lydia. She's my youngest one. I have one that's almost done for Emma. No, I don't have marks on every page, but you get the gist of this. I want to pass this on. There are some words. If you want to underline your Bible, fine. If you want to take notes outside your Bible because you don't want to write in your Bible, fine. But just don't lose the notebook. I like to keep it all here. So it's here. Okay? Now, if you, if you underline in your Bible, I want you to underline this. It says, 
By the way, these are two verses that saved my, my, my life spiritually and they saved my life physically from this earth. They saved me from depression. These two verses right here. You know why lyrics matter in our songs? I am who you say that I am. Every single person in here either read it or sang it or both. I am who you say that I am. In this verse, a guy named John, um, a John, John Overstreet showed me and taught me that God had never left me. But the demons that I was fighting, I had to understand whose I was. Look at this. All scripture is inspired by God. All of it. All of it. And some of you are really smart. Like, oh, I can find a disagreement here and here. My suggestion would be study it. Find out where it comes from. Look at his point of view. Who is he talking to? Who is she? Who is this? Who is this? And you'll find that it interweaves and meshes beautifully. All scriptures inspired by God. Why is that important? Because you can read this and you're not reading a lie. It's not in here. They're not in here. And it's useful, if you underline, useful to teach. Oh, this is where it gets really hard because if you want to apply these things to your life, it's like God hitting you in the face with a spiritual spatula. And I say that because it's funny, and I also say that because this is true. Watch. All scripture is inspired by God. God spoke through the Holy Spirit to men who wrote it down on paper. Actually, it was, I'm not going to get into that. They had to make their own paper. Do you know how blessed we are to have paper? Really? Several verses off the book of Mark was found in Egypt. It's called PQ32. It's written on papyrus. Are you glad? No, I'm being really serious here. Aren't you glad we have paper today? You don't have to write on papyrus. It also helps out when you go to the bathroom. What a wonderful invention. See, it's things like that that I'll walk through life and go, God, I'm so thankful for that person that invented toilet paper. For real. For real. You don't think that you're weird. All scriptures inspired by God is useful to teach us what is true. I am who you say that I am. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah the prophet said, you were created for a purpose. God knows the plans for you. You have a purpose, a plan, a plan to be used in the kingdom. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. This is where we stop. Nope. I want to know the plans that you have for me, but stop correcting me. It is said that hell will be full of people that miss Jesus by 18 inches. About the distance from your head to your heart. They would have a head knowledge, but they would not have a heart knowledge of him. All scriptures inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. We don't like that. God, God, listen, listen, listen. I want to be, an, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be a great kid of yours today at work. But I don't want to, I don't want to be that way to so-and-so. Because they're mean. You don't have, you don't have these people where you work? You don't have these people that get in line at Kroger behind you? Uh, I only got one thing. Sorry, bro. God, when I read your word, it helps me to realize what's wrong in my life. I spend a lot of time going so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And And you know what happens whenever I read the Bible? Do you know what happens? It becomes alive and breathing and timeless, and it begins to speak to me. My Bible does not audibly speak to me, so do not go home and go, I'm going to wait for it to speak. It's not going to do that. But it does because of the Holy Spirit. Watch, and and I'll pray and say, God, these people are just upsetting me, and there's like just can't talk to him and God will speak to me through the Bible and he will say what does James 4.10 say Matt? Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Yes Matt but who's getting lifted up? It's not you. No God it's you. Then why don't you get off your high horse and your pride fest and you get out of the way and let me move. You do what you're supposed to do. It's that kind of stuff. I don't want to talk to so-and-so because they're prideful. God has said to me before through scripture, do not throw rocks while you live in your glass house. Mm. Yeah? Is that the the proper reaction? Mm. You know he's right because he can't be wrong. And you're like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. We want to argue. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do is right, to do what is right. Oh, awesome. Teach us. 
but you don't want to follow the recipe when he teaches you. You know, I could solve this problem on my own. I'm 6'1", 219 pounds. I can, I can handle this on my own. I want to shove the soap up his nose myself. He says, no. No, you don't get to do that. You don't get to make the rules. It was my son that I sent to die for this stuff. Not you. Look at the... Read the Bible and do what it says. Now watch. Why do we do that? Look at verse 17. Yes. God uses it. Why? To prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I'm going to ask you another spiritual question. If you've ever heard of this story in the Bible, if not, no big deal. You'll learn something today. When Satan tempts Jesus, when he says, bow down and all this can be yours, how every single time, how does Jesus respond? With what? Scripture. Every single time. I'm going to take a wild stab and say, if the Son of God uses that to fight off Satan and his stuff, shouldn't we? I'll feel inadequate some days. I'll feel this. I'll feel different things. And it, it, I just get attacked spiritually. And it's Satan. He just wants to ruin my day and my life. Do you know that he hates my marriage? And he hates yours if you're married. He hates the friendships that you have. He hates the, the relationships you have with your kids. He hates the relationships that you have here. That's why he says just sleep in. There's a time in my life, 15 years ago, I wouldn't be here today. Do you know why? Because the whitetail bucks are chasing the does right now. And I don't have time for this. That's the truth. Why am I here? This is my job. But God has taught me, don't stop. Don't stop gathering together with your other brothers and sisters in Christ and helping to, helping to raise up one another and hold each other accountable because Satan picks at you every single day. And there's people in here right now that are at the bottom of the well going, I don't know what to do. Let me tell you something. God loves you. When nobody else in this world cares, when you think nobody else thinks that you're important at all, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, entire world, all population. According to statistics, almost 14 billion people have lived on planet Earth, and he loved every single one of them. Everybody that will be born before Jesus comes back, he's loved everybody. You're an e- I don't care if you have $17 billion in the bank or 17 cents, or you're overdrawn. He loves you. And he sent his son to die for you. But he wants to prepare you. Going out into this world unprepared is not okay. Not okay. Because here's the deal. I talked with a young man that I mentor this week about this. You walk out of your house or anywhere you're going this week and you're unprepared spiritually. Do you know what the word devour means? The Satan roams around earth. He's the prince of this world and he seeks to devour you. Listen, I hunt. I'm, I like to do it ethically. Devouring something is not always ethically. Devouring is, is literally, when you get into looking what the word means, when it uses that word with Satan, that he wants to rip and tear you apart. This is not okay. So you have to be equipped. You have to be prepared. We have to, we have to get in this. This is why the multiplication of discipleship is such a huge deal. It prepares us for living life. How do you respond if you have a bad day? I've learned to do this. How do I live my life for Jesus? Read about how he lived. How do I get along with someone that is difficult to get along with? Ready? Did you know that not everybody agreed with Jesus? He went to Israel. He went to the Jewish people. He was a Jew. He went to them. Do you know what they said? You're not the Messiah. What? Do you know why they said that? Because he was too common. He was too humble. We want king. We want gold. We want power. See, the Bible is not boring. You have love stories for the Hallmark people. You have action adventure for the people that like 300. There's plenty of blood and guts in here. And there's also stories of sin, some of which you've probably done, and me too. But overwhelming is it to look at God's grace and his forgiveness and how he reinstates people into right standing with him through the blood of his son. I can't stand still. It's that good. Man, could we sit? Could we sit like that girl and just read this? Man. Peter asked Jesus in John chapter 21. 
Jesus asked him, he says, who do people say I am? He said, you're the Messiah. Cool. Then he asked him, he said, hey, who do you say I am? You're the son of God. You're the son of God. And he says this, Jesus says this, he goes, feed my sheep. That means be the hands and feet of me after I'm gone. Feed them. Talk to them. And we fed people yesterday. Man, it was awesome. I can't, I can't quit. Somebody's like, did you have a good day? Yes, I had a good day. You should have seen the tears of emotion. We can't, we, I heard this. We can't afford this. As I went, here, take a rack of ribs and a pork loin. I can't pay for that. I didn't ask you to pay for it. I asked you to understand how much God loves you. Wow. Look at, the, look at the, the next blank. This is, this is, this is something that I, that I love. When you, when you get to know better, a heart that knows God is a heart that has been transformed by the renewing of the mind through the study of God's word. You're not the same because this will not let you be the same. You can't be the same. Anybody that comes to me and says, well, I read the Bible through and it just really didn't move me. Listen to me. Number one, you've missed the whole thing about it if it is. You're transformed. There are people in here right now that their marriage has been transformed by the word of God. Their life has been transformed. Their, their situation at work that has been transformed. They, have, they are not the same person. I, anybody in here different than you were 10 years ago? Look at this. Do you know how awesome it is that you didn't meet 22-year-old Matt? Do you know what a blessing from God that is? Yeah, I can't stand still when I worship. Because he's that good. He's that good. I posted something on Facebook that was pretty funny. If you didn't think it was funny, I'm sorry. If you're thinking this is not funny online, I'm not really sorry at all. But listen, I posted a picture of this guy that says, I don't hug my wife as much as I should. But when I do, I have to wear oven mitts because she's smoking hot. She is. You can't say that. I can't. She's my wife. She is beautiful. How in the world God took this idiot like me that just did a mess with his life and not only did he put me back in right standing with him, not only did he call me his prodigal son when I came home, not only did he line me up to lead worship to be a pastor, but I have two beautiful kids after the doctor said we shouldn't have any and I married the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I'm a little bit different. Than a cocky kid that was thinking about depression a whole lot and thinking about ending my life when I was 22. See, this is, God transforms us. This next thing is a tip that I do. If you don't want to do this, you don't have to. This is not the one way beat all. But look at this real quick on your worship handout. I want you to fill these out. This is how, this is how I read. I do not do all of these every single time. When you do all three of them, it takes, it, you're not going to do this in five minutes. Okay, when you read scripture, this is what I do. I just want to show you this. I just want to give you a little glimpse of what I do. Highlight. You can highlight on your phone. However, you can't take all the notes on your phone and they, can't, they won't just always be there. I like to write in the, I like to write in the, in the margins. This one's for, this is for Lydia. I'll see if I can find one real quick. God, just let me find a good one. Oh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, uh, Paul looks at goals, the long view and the short view. The long, if, if, you, if you have a long-term goal, you have to, de- you have to uh, defer gratification to get there, and that's about, that's about debt. We deferred what we wanted so that one day we could have it. See, it's things like that, that I hope one day that she comes across that and go, man, I'm, I'm, even, I'm even far more open to that. I'm, I'm not a big fan of letting people borrow my Bible. I will. But there's some intimate details in here. Because I'm, I try. I try when I read God's word to be humble enough to where it says, it says love one another. And I'm off to the side and said, I'm not really good at that. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. I'm not good at this all the time. See, I highlight things and I write, then explain. And what I mean by this is this. If you want some, some, some um, resources to dig deeper into God's word, I can give that, I can get that to you. Okay, some of the material I need back, but some of that you can actually have. Um, I'm all for people studying God's word. Okay, so we highlight it. So it kind of, it recollects us when we come back by it. We explain it. That's, that's, okay, who's the author? Who wrote this? Who to? There, did you know those questions that I can't answer? Anybody know who Al Mohler is? President, Southern Seminary. Anybody know who David Platt is? 
doctor, used to be IMB president, just psychotically smart, smart dudes, theologically about the Bible. I'm reading a verse by verse, word by word, expository breakdown of the entire book of Hebrews right now. To some of you, you'd be like, what? Takes each word, tells it what it means, and we're just breaking down the whole book, and that's what I'm studying through right now. I am, I am part way through that book, and all these smart people, do you know what they don't know? They don't even know who wrote Hebrews. We don't have all the answers. So it's fun to, it's fun to, to look, to, to try, to, to, try to, to find. But who are they writing to? Why would this be applicable today? Why is it a big deal that Jesus talked to a Samaritan woman? You could just read that story and be like, oh, he healed her. No, 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 no. Didn't exchange any gifts. They weren't friends at all. So I find out what that is. Now, here's the, here's the deal. Ready? Read the Bible. Do what it says. Application. Apply what I read. Love one another. Man, God, I really, you know, that's the, if it, this is not uncommon for me. God, this is like the third place in the last week during my daily devotions that I've encountered love one another. Do I have a problem with this? And he's sitting up there going, yes. <laughs> yes. Or a pride or something like that. Apply. He said, Matt, apply this to your life. And then Respond. Take notes. That's, that's, that's off to the side. Lydia and Emma get, get my Bible one day. I said, listen, I didn't do really good at this. Or when I was younger, I had a problem with this. I don't now. This is what happened. And I wrote down. Write down verses about things that mean something to you. Listen, you would talk about Psalm 37.4. I can talk for hours. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. It changed my entire outlook on this life. Every time I leave my door, it's hanging right here. Every single time. Delight yourself in the Lord. Matt, you can't be humble. My heart has to match, your heart has to match my heart. If your heart matches my heart, I'll give you everything that you want because those are the things that I want for you and we're a mesh. We're a mesh of the same thing. Do what it says. Look at, look at these two verses. I want to show you this real quick. Just because of the authenticity of Scripture. In the beginning was the Word, or in the beginning the Word already existed. You want to play a little mind game with yourself? Sit in a recliner today. Go, hmm, Already existed. What does that mean? It means infinity in reverse. Always has. Try to write down in your English, in your, in your understanding of the English language, how you can explain that. You either need like 10 notebooks or you don't need a pen at all because you're not going to write down anything. Infinity in God has always been. It's important that you understand that the author of this has always been here. It's important. Now, we see another thing. Capital W, our, the word already existed. Capital W, the word was with God. And the capital W word was God. We have Jesus, the, we, have G, we have God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They've all three always existed. In verse 2, he says he existed in the beginning with God. Now, watch. Later on in this, in this chapter, I'm just showing what, you, what, you, what I would do. You can't write down what this means. You, you, you may get pretty There's no way. One of the things I like to do when, whenever I was younger, I loved to go into my grandparents' house. But even then I said, I don't know if I want to stay here forever. You want to play another little word game with your mind? You can do it like the Sandlot. Okay, forever, right? Anybody seen that movie? Good, my people. Now, keep repeating the word forever until it makes sense. Understanding forever. I used to think, how am I going to be happy with God forever? If that 12,000 calorie a day thing is, I probably, I'm in. He existed. Time does not make sense to God. It has no ramifications on what he does. None. Time is a humanly made thing. God starts the day and he stops the day. That's about all the time that he has. Was it 24 hours? I don't know. Read all the, read all the crazy deep stuff on Genesis and tell me. <laughs> it's difficult. It's very hard. Listen, God wants us, God wants us in this discipleship process as we go on to further, our, to further our life, that he wants us to hear from him. He wants us to really dive in to his word. You know, do you know why? This is, I'll leave you with this. Do you know why he wants to do that? He wants you to get alone with him. And he wants you to read. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37... Peter preaches the, the sermon that he preaches at Pentecost. And Acts chapter 2 is when, when the Holy Spirit came and it fell like fire. In verse 37, the first part of that verse says, 
Peter's words pierced their hearts. On that day, 3,000 people, probably only men included in that count, 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ, believed in the, new, in the new covenant of the Bible, that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died on the cross, and he was raised from the dead. 3,000 people. That's almost one-tenth of our entire county's population. One day, one sermon, came to Christ. On my notes on top, it says this. This is to my daughter. Verse 37, I write, God's word pierces the heart. The Bible is a double-edged sword. It can separate bone and marrow. Now watch. This is what I, wrote. This is what I left her. God's word pierces hearts. Always allow it to teach and guide you. You don't need, you don't need the recommendation of your friends. You don't need affirmation from other people. You, God wants you to dive into his word because more than anything in this entire world, he wants you to look into his word and say, holy cow, you do love me. Wow. 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 That's why Matt can't stand still during worship. You're exactly right. He loves me. He loves you. And we can dive in. Don't miss next Sunday. Please don't miss next Sunday. Okay, we're talking about, we're talking about being thankful, but I'm taking a different biblical spin on this. Don't miss it. Next week, I'm also going to announce a meeting date for those that are wanting to start in the D groups at the beginning of the year. I'm telling you, I got asked two or three times from pastors, hey, how's Connection doing? I said, you have no idea what God's getting ready to do. It's going to be awesome. I just, want to grab the, I just want to grab the rope. I want to hold on and say, okay, let's go. But we have to equip ourselves. Before we go on a journey, we, before we go on a trip, before we go do what God wants us to do, we have to be equipped. We have to study. We have to be in. We have to learn how much God loves us, how he cares for us, but what he expects. I hope you guys have a great day. Uh, enjoy the wear a coat. <laughs> Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much that we get to come into this place. God, I thank you for the, the holiday as we observe it tomorrow, of Veterans Day. God, I thank you for the, the men and women that serve this country. God, and given us the gift of freedom. But it is you, God, that through Jesus Christ, you have given us the gift of eternal freedom. And for that, God, we are grateful. We are thankful. And we're just in awestruck of how you use us. God, help us to hear you. Help us to dive in to your word. Help us to make it a priority. Help us to, to really seek what you have for us. God, your plans are amazing. Your love for us is wonderful. Help us learn from that and pass it on to other people that we come in contact with this week. In your name we pray. Amen.